Hello everyone, welcome to another edition of the Kaiju Kingdom Podcast. I am your host, Chris Eaton, and joining me today is... What's up guys? How you guys been? It's been a minute. So, Ardian is, if you guys don't listen to Common Kaisers, he's... he's what do you mean you guys don't listen Kaisers. to Common Kaisers? You should it's, be listening. What's going on? What are you guys doing? Yes. You know, sometimes, you know, some people like Coke, some people like Pepsi, and then there's some people that just like, you know, you know, RC Cola. But those are a chosen few. And I like RC Cola. RC, RC Cola is good, actually. I love me a good RC Cola. It's the uh, it's the independent soda, as I call it, because it's uh, yeah. it's competing with those other two. But it's well, not Dr. Be. Pepper, and it's not yeah. yeah. At least we're not Dr. Pepper. It's just Thunder. a cola. Oh, <laughs> that's the sad Dr. Pepper. Or uh, what's it called? The uh, mountain, uh, mountain Mist, or what's the off Oh, there's uh, Dr. Thunder, and then yeah, like. Yeah, Mountain Mist or something like some crappy knockoff some sad. of Mountain Dew. Did you know Mountain Dew was originally made as a uh, mixer for um, it was like a whiskey sour mix? Oh really? I yeah. think I'm gonna try that. I don't. I'm not a Mountain Dew guy. I am not. I'm not ashamed to say I have tried it and it kind of works. Really interesting. Yeah. Maybe want to try with. Um, Smoother whiskey, maybe a nice scotch or something. Nothing too expensive. You know what but, I had? You, have you ever had a, 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 a what is it called? A Morococo Mato? It's Sprite with wine. Sprite with wine, yes. I have had that. My brother has made that. It is it's delicious. It is the king of the one, king, one of the many kings of the white trash drinks. <laughs> yes. 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 Very much so. You got a lonely Friday night? Get some wine, get some Sprite, and you're going to have a good time. Yes. But we oh, digress. Man. Talking about alcoholic beverages, we are all adults here. Um, some of us more than others. I'm going to be 40 mm. in three weeks. Hey. Uh, will this be out before then? Time. Do what? Will this be out before then? Oh, yes. Yes, this will okay. be out later. This, you know, okay. I think, yeah, uh, we're recording this on a Thursday. If you, you'll probably hear it at the very least by Sunday. For sure. So, and the reason why we are recording, Arian, today is February 1st. As of this oh, recording, yes. we are recording at 10 o'clock at night on the West Coast, which means that the shining light that is Godzilla Minus One is flickering for the last time in its theatrical run. So... The last, yeah. um, at, my, at least in my area, I'm in the greater LA area. Ariane's down in San Diego. And the last couple of showings are going off right now. And then, bye-bye. But this is not a sad occasion. This is a momentous occasion. In two months, it's been two months, technically three months since the movie came out. Close to three months. Uh, but two months here in the U.S., uh, could not have imagined the reception that this movie got. I mean, even when I was sitting in uh, Japan watching it, and yes, that is me kind of rubbing in a little it. bit. We get it. <laughs> you got to see Shin Kamen Rider. I got to see Godzilla Minus One. So we each got one. Fair trade. Fair trade. Um, 
I, even then, like I knew, I knew this movie was something. It looked gorgeous, um, and I kind of got the basic, basic uh, rundown of the film. It was like I have said in a couple other podcasts. It wasn't until both Jessica and uh, shout out to my good friend Kazuki broke it down. Like you know, the main guy's a failed kamikaze pilot. I'm like, I, I did not know that. That was. That was I couldn't understand that in uh, the language barrier, but apparently yes, and like that adds a whole new dimension to that movie, which was already uh, what I thought a pretty good movie. Seeing it um, with the subtitles, yes, this is not just this is not a standard Godzilla movie. This is this is something special. I kind of said the same thing about Shin Godzilla. I once once I finally like I watched it twice in the same weekend. And that second time I walked out, I'm like, no, nah, this this movie's a lot better, I think, than people are even giving it. But it is a very Japanese film. Like, it hits closer to home for the Japanese audience than it would for American audiences. But it's still, like, this is a sound about, movie. Are you talking about Shin or Minus? Shin. Shin. Got it. So, or Minus, when I walked out of that, that, that second time, once I finally got the rest of the movie like knowing the characters names and everything i'm like this this thing has like a very spielbergian feel to it now i'm talking like mid 80s spielberg like at his prime like there's there's a sense of wonderment and excitement it's like it, it is a very cinematic film like I, I i still can't get past how cinematic it is and that's the reason why or at least one of the reasons why we're talking about it today because um for its last week, uh, Toho released the black and white version, Godzilla Minus One. And I watched it, Ardian watched it, and Ardian had not gotten a real good chance to give his thoughts on the movie. I think we briefly talked about it on Common Kaisers, but we didn't go too deep because I think we were talking about a giant mechanical dinosaur of some sorts. I think that was the episode Something we were doing, like Robo Stores. Yeah, so I wanted to get him on. Have we're gonna break down because Arian's a bit of a movie nerd as well, and discuss on its final day the uh, kind of the differences, the feel of what Godzilla minus one minus colored had to offer, and um, is it a gimmick or is it a testament to uh, what was some would argue a better time of cinema? in the noir era. So, all right, I'm going to pass this over to you for a minute. Give me your thought. Give me your full thoughts on Godzilla minus one. So off the in bat, general, that off the bat, I love off the bat. I love um, the first thing you see is the old Showa era Toho logo in black and white, how you would see Godzilla raids again in uh, 54. And I was like, Oh, that's nice. And then it cuts right into, I mean, we all we've all seen minus one, so spoilers are, yeah, fine. I think right? at this point everybody who has met, who wanted to see it has seen it. Got it. Um, you have you gone to the uh, theater to go see? I know you went to see uh, what's the Del Toro movie? Uh, Nightmare Black. Alley. Yeah, you saw that one. What else have you seen? I was Black White. I have seen. Uh, I've watched The Mist, but that wasn't in theaters. That was on a DVD-only um, version, so The Mist in black and white. Um, I've seen uh, Mad Max Fury Road. 
the blood and chrome oh. version. Um, I completely forgot uh, Zack Snyder put out uh, a black and white version of his Justice League movie. Um, I don't have HBO Max anymore, so I have not been, I've not had a chance to watch it because that one I'm curious about because that's how the movie existed for like four years on his laptop. It wasn't color timed or anything like that, so it was just in black and white. So it's a, and when he would release those images of like Dark Side and the stuff that was all shown in the original trailer, they got cut up before Whedon came in. I was like, man, this is this looks interesting. Um, so that is the only. Oh no, I didn't see Parasite in black and white either. Parasite had a black and white version too. Someone uh, <laughs> reminded me of that online. But uh, oh, and Logan. Oh, I have seen Logan okay. in black and white. Yes, Logan Noir, as they call it. Um, I do love me some black and white movies. Like I am, I'm a movie buff. I, I there's some fantastic movies that are in black and white. Not when you when you say you like black and white movies, you like movies from the 40s and 50s, or you like re-releases of black and white? Both, both. There, there's okay. plenty. Of, you look, I love King Kong to death. I still think King Kong is just absolutely pure cinema. I I've, I go back and watch Kong usually every March for, you know, like on the anniversary of its release. I love that Kong to death. It's, I mean, it's the best one. And next to, you know, it, my top three Kong movies are that. It's the original Godzilla and Kong and Skull Island. Those, I mean, I love, I, I love all the other Kong movies. Some are better, some are worse, but... Those three stand the test of time for me. Um, but that original, there's just something about like seeing stop motion in black and white. Uh, just it's there's something about when you watch it, when you watch an old movie, you get a sense of the time and place. It's like watching Terminator 2 today. There's no cell phones. There's no like computers. There's not laptops everywhere. Like it is very much the beauty about it being in its time and place that it remains in this capsule and thus kind of remains timeless in its own right. Like I can watch Kong realizing this is the 1930s. Like it's, and it still holds up tremendously. But then again, I'm also a little bit of a snob and I love me stuff like Tetsuo the Iron Man, which is completely avant-garde and shot in black and white, mostly because I think Tsukamoto just didn't have the money to make that thing in color. But in black and white just makes it so much. It's a far different movie. If that thing, if that thing was in color, I don't think it would be the movie it is today. Much like if right. David Lynch did Eraserhead in color. So with that note, Godzilla minus one is a color movie. You know the quote: "There's movies in color, and then color movies." Mm -hmm. Godzilla minus one definitely is a color movie. It's a movie. Yes. Yeah. Do you lose a little bit out of the black and white? Mm, yeah, you do. It's beautiful to look at. It's it's wonderful. Mm. It, it's beautiful. Um, you know, it's it's a time period. It fits right in. You know, it doesn't take you out of the movie. But knowing knowing that it's a movie in color, it. <sighs> When you see what do you call the uh, the Odo Island Godzilla? When you see him pop uh, out, yeah, is, is that is that what we're given his? Is that pretty much his official name at this point, Odo Island Godzilla? That's what I've been calling him. 
Oh no, I think the era or, or so, what's the? Um, I just call him the Godzilla source because Godzilla that's what source? he is. So I would mean yeah. Uh, when you see that, that is beautiful. It's shot. It's dark, and you yeah. you see him moving kind of back and forth around, kind of like a, a little unpredictable because you don't know what you're looking at. Mm-hmm. That see that sequence is a lot better in black and white, but the sequences of Godzilla in the daytime, mm, not. I'll. There's a point of me. There's a part of me that does agree with you. Um, there is something with modern effects that don't exactly gel with black and white. Um, yeah. Like I said, the the of the black and white movies I have watched, like um, like Nightmare Alley, I will only watch the black and white version. So because. That has a tremendous effect on the movie. And I start yeah. watching it in color. I'm like, I can't watch it this way. I got to watch it in black and white. Because that is definitely a noir movie. I would say for 95% of Godzilla Minus One, because of the time frame it takes in, much yeah. like Nightmare Alley, I would say that the black and white works. Yes. But I will agree with you wholeheartedly that the modern effects stuff, mostly like Godzilla, um, when he's attacking, and some of the destruction sequences because of their CG nature, don't pop like they do in um, in in color. So it, it kind of shines a light on the overall effect that they're giving off like if it was in if it was the suit like if they had managed to do something like that like because i'm still waiting for this day i'm waiting for the day when someone combines cg and the suits kind of like um the where the wild things are movie mm-hmm. where they kind of were partially suits but like the heads and faces were like cg and stuff like that i still think that there's a happy medium to be had with these movies, with that kind of mentality. That said, when you're doing all CG, it's yeah, it's shines a harsher light in black and white than it would in color. Then I would one would argue the suits. I mean, we have two black and white Godzilla movies to compare this one to, and they were shot in black and white. I mean, there's the original, and then there's Raids Again, and suits just blend better with. Um, the lack of color. It's just something about it. Um, yeah. When, when I say it doesn't pop, or when I, when I, I say it kind of loses its its shine, is specifically during the Ginza sequence. Very when much it, so. The stuff on the boat, the stuff in the mm-hmm. water, looks fine. It's, what, the battleships, the first, the attack, the, um, the, the boat chase, that yeah. actually looked pretty. That that still to me that is the highlight of the movie of how yeah. great those effects look. Yes, like that looks like that was a giant um, prop that they had in the water at times. I mean, like that's how good those effects are. Yeah. Um, when he attacks the um, so the taco, not not the Taka- uh, yeah something like that. Taco. Yeah, yeah. The taco. Um, that looks pretty good. Um. But yeah, the 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 Giza attack. Um, it's mostly the wide shots more than anything else. 
Mm-hmm. Like just the up looking up shots. I mean, when he gets shelled the first time, when he's about ready to, um, when he's like encroaching on everyone, and you get that sh- he's shelled, and he's healed, he comes out of the smoke before mm-hmm. he revs up the um, the atomic breath. Like that looked good, but then you get to the atomic breath sequence, and it's a you know there's a hearty amount of destruction yeah it, it kind of loses a little bit but like when the black rain comes down everything it, then it picked that's the problem there's a little bit of an inconsistency yeah all the human stuff which again like 70 percent of this film hinges on that looks amazing though and yeah. i will argue this i do think i do believe that there actually was some tweaking done um mostly with the um airplane sequences i swear to god there's like two or three shots when we're, we're in the cockpit and we see the scenery going by. It looks like the old school uh, back projection. Kind of like how they used to do, like, think think of like in uh, Raids Again. Yeah. Yeah, when yeah, you yeah. see them like going, yeah, the weird back projection. I'm like, I'm looking, I'm like, that, that looks like a whole different shot in of itself. That doesn't look like it was from the, the color version. So the problem is there's no physical media I can compare it to at the moment. So I, it's, I, I can't do a, a complete compare and contrast, but I 90% sure that scene was tweaked to make it look like much more of a period movie, but that might, I might just be nuts. Who knows? The, uh, the sequence that pops out to me, the human sequence is, uh, when they're having dinner. Mm-hmm. At, um, sorry, what's the main character's name? Uh, um, just watched it on Monday. Kind of uh, yeah, Sheena. Um, I should have had this pulled up. Uh, but yes, uh, yeah, at his house. Uh, when they when they find out that he and um, Hodiko aren't aren't married, right? That one. Right, right. That yeah. that looks that looks like a like any scene from Raids Again or or um, Fifty Four or all the human stuff looks fine. It looks great. It looks. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, I would it's... even argue, I would say that the, the because I know what Yamakazi is going for. Like this, is, this is the mentality of directors. You're going for mood and atmosphere of what, you know, uh, black and white can offer. I mean, there is, there is ways to handle lighting with just the, you know, the monochrome that can really add depth to certain things. Uh, like I said, when I, wa- I watched... Uh, Mad Max Fury Road in black and white. That was one of those cases where I went, you know what? No, mm-hmm. this movie's so saturated in color, even though it's it's very deserty. Like it doesn't, it's not adding anything. Like that, that's a movie that works better in color than black and white. Where Logan, Logan worked in black and white. I felt um, here, like it does feel like Yamakazi's kind of flexing the the film nerd in him a little bit because he's talked about in interviews. He's like, this wasn't just a desaturation. We went frame by frame and we tweaked some things and everything was color, color timed perfectly. So, but there's still some shots that look a little brighter. It looks like they might have rushed on him a little bit. Um, the one that stands out to me is the tanks. And I think it's because the tanks in the movie are probably the worst. I hate to say worst CG, but it kind of is like the, um, the 1940s tanks that they're using to yeah. shell Godzilla. And it's no, I, I, 
don't get, I, it's not really a big deal because the rest of the movie looks absolutely stunning. But those, I'm just like, oh, that that felt like that was the last thing on the list. And now Kazi's like, it's three seconds. Like right. we we need to we need to make the oh, we need to make the final battle look as good as possible. So that's forgivable. But um, there's spots like that. Uh, the the final the the boat yeah. uh, attack. Not the, um, the second one, the 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 um, the campaign to sink them. Mm-hmm. That actually looked pretty great. All the water, yeah. like yeah. that's the thing in black and white. The water effects stand out so much better for some reason. That it, I really sat there appreciating. I got so I watched this twice. I saw it again Friday. In and black then, and white. Yeah, the black and white one. Uh, went out with a few friends, and my buddy George, who were gearing up to restart our old podcast. And he's like, you know what we should do Godzilla. I haven't seen Godzilla. Everyone keeps talking about it. And I'm like, yeah, you should see it. We got one more week. Let's go. So we went um, Monday. And mind you, he's not like the, the man loves his movies. He's not the Godzilla guy. He's had to he's joined me for the new movies, like all the American ones. And he's had to sit there and get an asshole of my Godzilla knowledge dropped on him all the time. So to be fair, um, I do in revenge for him making fun of my taste in music, but that's that's what friends do. So um, I, we want he we prefer our deluxe formats. So we went and saw it at Cinemark, and they had it at XD. I actually saw it twice in XD. The first time, the damn speakers were kind of blown out, so it did feel like I was watching an old movie at times because there were those pops. Oh. That happened in like those old ones. I'm like, is that an aesthetic choice? And then towards the end, I'm like, no, that's someone someone turned the subwoofer up too loud and they blew it out. So the second time was much nicer because then I got the, the wonderful you know surround sound that accompanies this movie, so you can hear the soundtrack and everything. And uh, I felt bad because it was the only the only one they were showing was the black and white version. And he's like, you know what? I'll you know I'll George is like I'll work through it. Wrapped up, I turned to him. I'm like, "What'd you think?" He's like, "Even in black and white, that is a fantastic movie." I'm like, "Yes, I told you." So, on that, real quick side tangent, Arian, you're you're amongst you're amongst the Covenant, mm-hmm. the Godzilla fans. We are a uh, how do I put this? We are uh, a. a self-flogging bunch, if you will, because we all have all decided we love this world of big rubbery monsters. And a lot of times they get thrown off into the fact that like these, this is just B cinema. These are nothing. How does it feel to be living in a time where not only is there a, just an abundance of Godzilla stuff, there's an American arm of Godzilla stuff, but that people who would not whiff a fart in the general direction of a Japanese Godzilla movie are going out, watching this movie, and praising it. How does that feel to you? Makes me proud to be a Godzilla fan. Mm-hmm. Um, it's nice. It's nice. It's never... It's weird when people take Godzilla seriously that aren't Godzilla mm-hmm. fans. It's weird 
seeing Godzilla being nominated for uh, an Oscar. That's a very weird feeling um, on this side of the, you know, fandom. Yeah. Um, it's still it's still is crazy to me that you can walk into a Target and buy a Godzilla toy. Yes. Yes. It's, it's, it's never my, that, my wildest dreams. It's weird that there's a 24-hour Godzilla channel that you can just watch at all times. Like Godzilla, Godzilla being in the same realm of Batman and Spider-Man and you know all these other um, names. It's yeah, he's always been there, and I think mm-hmm. it's people are it's are more accepting of like, oh yeah, Godzilla, Batman, Spider-Man. Like, of course, this is just another one of these recognizable faces. Um, I mean, it only took 70 years. And I again, again, <laughs> the other thing, again, it feels all kismet, doesn't it? It's the 70th anniversary and just this wide stream praise of this little Japanese movie. Well, not little by Japanese standards. I mean, it's a big movie by Japanese standards. So that's the thing I don't think people seem – a lot of people haven't been grasping or making a very big deal out of considering I think the budget – they finally released like a like a general ballpark of the budget, which is closer, to, I think, to like ten and a half million US than the fifteen. Wow! And it's gone down how much? Hundred and something? Hundred and change? It's, it crossed a hundred this past week, so I think it's going to wrap up its worldwide theater run at a hundred and three million dollars, hey, which is bonkers. Bonkers. I think it's like the second highest grossing Jap. It's I think it's the number one highest grossing Japanese movie in America, and I think it's like the third highest grossing foreign film. I think it beat out Parasite a week okay. and a half ago. So, yeah. Again, like last last thing I ever expected. You know, at, at the very moment, like like I said, when Shin come out, when Shin came out. I'm like, man, like, Anno really, like, he made a thinking man's Godzilla. Like, it, it, again, much like my weird, you know, musings on Godzilla 2000, I'm like, you guys went away for almost five years, and this is the story you come back with? Like, okay, interesting choice. Uh, I didn't expect Hideki Anno and Shinji Yaguchi to make a Godzilla movie about the follies of bureaucracy that was the last thing i expected but i still there's that's i i love i love the crap out of that movie i do love shin god like that movie really grew on me in the last couple of years like i do love the hell out of it this one though this is so much more accessible and the more i watch it like i i i don't know i'm weird as a moviegoer sometimes because and i was i was this way when um the aforementioned Mad Max Fury Road came out. I was looking forward to that movie. I went in. I sat down. I watched it. Got up. And went, you know what? That was fun. But I don't know. I, I think I was expecting something else. I think I was expecting more Road Warrior than something a little more in between Mad Max and Road Warrior, just on a giant budget. And then all I heard was people praising this movie like it's like, I, I've we've never seen anything like this. Oh, it's so great. I'm like, it's it's a chase movie. It's fun. But in the years since, I've you know, it's that hype yourself up and you set yourself up for disappointment. 
I've now gone back. I've I literally just rewatched it last night because I'm like, I like I've come to like this movie a lot more than I myself was giving it credit for initially. Going into minus one the first time, and I think I said this on the podcast, like being up for 28 hours as I'm as I'm watching it for the first time in a foreign language that there's no English whatsoever except for maybe like one clip in the middle somewhere. And um, Jessica next to me constantly needing to elbow me so I can stay awake. Um, I walked down like, yes, that was a good movie, but I don't know if it's praiseworthy at this moment. No, I walked away and I went back and I watched it. I'm like, okay, yes, this is definitely praiseworthy. And the more I watch it, like I've seen it five times now. And um, I, I still won't say it's my favorite Godzilla movie. I probably wouldn't even say it's my third favorite Godzilla movie, but in the overall echelon of things, it's a damn good Godzilla movie. Like, I don't think, barring, like, Guillermo del Toro getting his hands on Godzilla, which we can all dream. We can all dream. I think he would do something magical with Godzilla. I don't think, I know people are like, well, he did Pacific Rim. He did Pacific Rim to the homage of the idea of the show of Godzilla movies and Ultraman. Look, I think look, we would do something different with Godzilla. Look, yes. Mm-hmm. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. Mm-hmm. Um, but you can also love something too much. Like this is true. Jack and King Kong. Oh yes, you can, but that that's obsession. Yeah. Um, I do have a theory about this. Um, I have, um, so, there are auteurs. There are filmmakers that are truly true auteurs, like Guillermo del Toro. He's an auteur. And every once in a while, an auteur has this passion project that they are dead set on getting made. And sometimes they get very close to making it, and then it falls away from them. And then they'll come back to it, but they're not letting it go. They're like, I will make this. I will make this. And then they come back to it almost 5, 10, 15, 20 years later. And then they finally get to do it, and it's never the original version that they had in their head. Um, Peter Jackson, that was King Kong for him. Like, he almost made King Kong in 1996. And then it was taken away from him, and then he's like, I'm going to make Lord of the Rings. And then everyone's like, well, what do you want to make? I want to make King Kong, but now I got Lord of the Ring, you know, money behind me. So I'm going to make my King Kong the way I want to make it. None of this 90-minute nonsense. We're going full two and a half hours and everything that's nothing's leaving the cutting floor. Same thing with uh, Terry Gilliam, another favorite filmmaker of mine, and uh, his Don Quixote movie. Famously was sh- shooting for, I think, three days and they got shut down. He finally made it like 15 years later. A little disappointing. The great George Miller, Mad Max. He was make, trying to make this genie movie that came out last year. A Thousand oh, Years really? of Longing. Yes. It's a solid, it's a damn good movie until you get to the third act. And then the third act, it kind of falls apart. Same thing with David Cronenberg. Both Miller and Cronenberg, within a two-month span, had these movies they spent the last better part of a decade to 15 years trying to make. Cronenberg was doing Crimes of the Future. I, I love David Cronenberg. Absolutely love David Cronenberg. So I'm like, first movie in like, God, like 10 years? that he's done that isn't like 
it's it's going back to like the body horror Cronenberg, not not the Viggo Mortensen era. You know, you know, I'm doing these noir film Cronenbergs, and watching it, the movie ends without a third act. And I'm sitting there, I'm like, this is so damn frustrating. So, um, <clears throat> yes, you're truly right. There's such a thing as loving a thing too much that sometimes you gotta let it go. This, look, uh, Francis Ford Coppola has a movie coming out later this year. Francis Ford Coppola, I don't think has made a movie. He hasn't made a movie in almost 12 years. And that last movie was a terrible, terrible movie called Twix. Oh. What? Never even. I thought the last movie he did was Dracula. No, no, no. no. no uh, he, God, he, Francis Ford Coppola made the timeless classic that is the Robin Williams movie Jack. People forget he made really? that movie. Yes, that is his movie. Oh, wow. Yes. Is it great? Not by a long shot, but when you're 12 and you're watching, it's pretty fun. Um, I think that was that era when directors are like, I'm more than this, the thing I've done. It's, that's like when Sam Raimi was making that baseball movie. And um, What? Yeah. Do you remember For Love of the Game? A Kevin Costner movie? Yes, that's Sam Raimi. Oh, that really? And oh. the same year, I think, see, the same year, the year after... Wes Craven makes that violin movie. Oh, the one with Samuel Jackson. Yeah. Oh huh. no 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 that not not that one. No 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 that's the red violin. No he made a different violin movie with um I want to say Meryl Streep. I think it was Meryl Streep. I forgot the name of it off the top of my head, but yeah. Like there was a moment where all these guys were like, I I don't want to do horror anymore. I I I kind of want to show I have better, have more things to do, and I think. For that, for Coppola, it was like, give me a check. I'll work with Robin Williams, and hey, I can show you can make a comedy. No, you can't, Francis. You cannot make even as an unintentionally funny that Godfather Three is. You can't make a comedy. So there's certain things certain people should just stick to. But not for Takashi Yamakazi. No, the man. I think the man. Have you seen how many of other Yamakazi movies have you seen? I've seen one other Yamakazi movie, and that is Returner. Returner. So you haven't had a chance to watch the Always movies. You know what? Let me make sure that's a Yamakazi movie. Returner is a Yamakazi movie. I think is it's it? like his second movie. Yeah. Okay. Hated it. Did you see the Hated. Lupin? The animated no. Lupin movie? I haven't seen Fantastic. it. Fantastic. Uh, um, hated Returner when I saw it. It was There was this huge hype for it on, um, back in the day. Mm-hmm. Uh, I... I See, was it would be on every eighty or uh, was a Columbia DVD trailer and everything. Yeah, finally got to got to see it, and I was like, Al, Al dente? What does this have to? What does it have to do with anything? Like, you know why? Because they put that transforming jet in everything, and you thought that's what the movie was going to be. Instead, it was this kind of crime boss, kind of um, had like a versus feel on a giant on a big budget at times. <laughs> it reminds me of. Um, what was that other movie, K20? That had a lot of hype behind it back in the day. The, no. um, what was it? The, it's, you're not talking about the uh, Stephen Chow movie, are you? K20, The Masked Guy. Um, oh, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I know what you're talking about. That, that one, what other one? Casper got a bunch of hype back in the day. I, um, I, I, look, I will defend Casper. I do love Catherine, even though it does not resemble anything like the anime or we should, manga that we came should before do, it. We should do Catherine for, uh, for uh, yeah. 
We should, actually. We should do Catherine. I love Catherine. Yes, it kind of falls apart at the end, but you want to talk about a visual, a visually scrumptious movie? Catherine, yeah. Yeah. Catherine's delightful, and it has one of my favorite action sequences in the middle of the movie that just, you know, jams that um, that Blackhorn song as he's just, like, running through, just destroying, like, all these uh, retro robots. It's fantastic. Um, and it's the highlight of the movie, though. I'll, I'll say that. Um, but no, yeah, like I, I've seen a few. I haven't watched this whole uh, catalog. Um, the Parasite movies I thought were pretty good. I haven't watched this Doraemon movie. But the fact that, you know, I, I know some people say, well, he's kind of like the George Lucas or he's like kind of like Spielberg of, of Japan. I'm like, if anything, he has more in line with Danny Boyle than anybody else. Because Danny Boyle does not. Danny Boyle does not make the same movie twice. And he's made just about every genre there is at this point. So, um, I, yeah, I know people are calling for him to do another one. Um, I would say no. I would say another. this movie stands on its own. I don't I don't want to see more because you know why? Uh, you, then you have to start explaining some things. Especially how in the hell Nordico survives a nuclear shockwave uh, pretty much unharmed. I mean, there's there's bandages on her, but there's nothing, there's no scars or anything like that. I The first time I saw that, when the movie ended in Japan, I turned to Jessica and I'm like, okay, Do anybody else see that? See that? Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, come on. You're asking a lot. She's like, yeah, I mean, even at the screening, like, it was... How the hell is this girl sur- surviving? But watching a couple more times, it's like, oh, it has to do with the G cells, has to do with the regeneration. So I'm like, I, if you look, come back. To this day, to this day, the first time we talked about this movie, mm-hmm. you saw it and you said G cells were a thing. Yeah. You, you specifically said G cells. Every mm-hmm. time that I've seen this movie since, even the black and white version, G cells are nowhere to be mentioned. Uh, fragments. It's in. It is in, yes. The fragments. All that. That is that. It's just. It's lame enough to explain it. Fragments that are potentially hazardous. I think is the line I read. Yes. Nothing about G cells. Well, we see that but they have regenerative you know, pop. They have regenerative properties. I mean, it's literally played out as part of the battle plan because they're like, well, if he can heal, we have to hurt him enough that he can't heal faster than. Then we can hurt them. But you're telling me somewhere out there, there's a there's a version of this movie that says G cells. I that's what I saw. Confirm or deny? Got it. So, but uh, I'm also saying that yes, those I guarantee that plays a part in her miraculous recovery, which means that there's probably other people out there with the weird black crap coursing up her neck. Um, I mean, that's essentially as close to, like, a Japanese version of the ending of uh, Inception as you're going to get. Like, yeah. I don't think you can come back and do a sequel. I, I do. I love the Toho's kind of making the, just these standalone movies. I know people that ask, like, well, they should do another Shin. It's like, you know what? There are times, and I've said this because you watch the first five Transformers movies, and after two, you can tell Michael Bay's like, I don't want to do this anymore. But... 
they keep driving truckloads of money and offer me like and allow me to do other movies that I want to do. So I will keep cranking these things out, even though I want to, I don't want to do it. Sometimes just let a good thing rest. You know, uh, Yamakaze, if you ever wants to come back to it, I'm pretty sure Toho will be like, yes, fine, go ahead, go back. But let someone else try, you know, let's, you know, let others have their chance, take your time. And, you know, I think the world that this movie established is good where it's at because now, like I said, you're going to have to explain things. Just like going back to Shin, you're going to have to explain things. What the hell is that crap coming out of his tail? Will he ever unthaw? Like all this other, like, no, no, like we, we can't like move on to the next thing. Go the millennium era. And each, each movie is its own little universe. Technically we have gone back to the shin twice. But that's oh yes, this is true. Technically, technically. Yeah, there's. Been, uh, I think the actor who comes out in all three has confirmed that he is playing the same character. Yes. Um, without you know, without spoiling, go out and watch the Shin trilogy. Um, watch Shin Ultraman and watch Shin Common uh, Rider. Oh god, <laughs> love it. Um, yeah. So where would you where would you like to see? What would you like? Where would you go from here? Would you like another movie in the same universe? Would you like a, you you would you said you wanted to do a, another standalone? Would you want to introduce a different monster? What would you do? Yeah, I think I think we're over. We I mean two 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 the Toho's last two big offerings have been standalone. I I've seen some people argue it's like well it kind of works better that way I'm like I there's only so many allegories you can hammer Godzilla on his own um like I said it's got to be very original like again I'll give Takashi Yamakaze his due because he found a take like this movie isn't even so much about Godzilla it's it's about it's about the characters and Godzilla just happens to be you know um the driving point to them like. This, I mean, and the small scale of it all, like the fact that the military is not really intervening, and it's like it's a, it's a, you know, it's the, it's of the people having to, you know, take this thing down on their own. Like, yes, that's a great spin. Um, you know, Godzilla, Shin Godzilla was pretty much, you know, a stand-in for the 311 quake. So, mm. I, I, you know, maybe, uh, maybe. Maybe just maybe let the the single films rest unless you got something huge that you, it's going to be a slam dunk like this. Let's uh let's play with some other let's play with some other toys. You know, uh, I know that that the legendary movies are Godzilla's being the superhero version, but you can you can explore. And I think especially now that the bar is raised, you can explore more with either the classic monsters or make something new. You know, you don't yes. have to. Keep going back to the well. You can always make something new. It's part of the reason why I'm looking forward to Godzilla and Kong. There's something new there. So it's a lot new there. Yes. Um, personally, I think I would like to see a new Rodan, a standalone Rodan. Um, I would love. Look, right? I love Rodan. Rodan yeah. is probably my favorite non-Godzilla Toho movie. It's it's between that and uh, War of the Gargantuas, but I think oh, Rodan. Yeah. I, mean, have you I think Rodan it? edges it out. That you guys, have you seen this? How much? I've yeah. This movie? Um, those two, those two. There's a reason why those two are boxed together in that classic media box because they are the best. Like those are the two best. 
no one's ever going to like people argue Mothra. I'm like, Mothra's fine. Rodan, though. Rodan's brilliant because it's two movies. It is, it's, it's exactly it's like a slasher movie. Wrote. It starts as a slasher movie and then turns into a giant monster movie, which is utterly insane and absolutely brilliant. And it works on every single level. I love popping in Rodan. The effects, the, the, the first time you use a Technicolor, it just everything pops. Ooh. God, yes. I would love a great new take on Rodan. I think that's where Toho's next big goal is. It's like, okay, we can do this with Godzilla. Can we solo a new, uh, another monster and not do it like we did with Mothra where we just cut the budget and we're just making these kitty fantasy movies? Like, I would legitimately like to see Toho try to, you know, you can do a couple of the other, and there's other characters besides the big four. That you can do. So, could you imagine yeah, doing a, uh, could you, uh, a a period piece for Etrigan? Oh my god, I would love to see it. Like when the like, like from where the book took place, or like back in the sixties again, like the like the movie took place, or doing well, a nineteen forties, like a World War Two Etrigan. Yes, yeah, because Etrigan was developed for the war. World War Two. Yeah. You know, I do love a good alternate universe kind of movie, and I would love to see what would happen if Japan had Atragon and entered the war. Like, that would be an interesting take to do with it. You don't need Manda, you don't need the Undersea Kingdom. Like, just do like a war movie. See how that goes. I like that. Um, Rodan, though. A Rodan, a surprise Rodan movie would be a lot of fun. Rodan would be a hell of a lot of fun, I think, if done right, especially now with the, um, with the effects that you can do. Uh, I think Rodan would would work well. I have always wanted a proper third entry in the Frankenstein series. Mm-hmm. We had Frankenstein conquers the world. We had War of the Gargantuas. Now we have to have Frankenstein and the Gargantuas face off against one one another, fathers versus sons, if you will. Like really get into like kind of the biblical uh, allegories that you know that mm-hmm. film kind of lays out. And then they team up to fight a giant octopus. <laughs> a giant octopus or some sort or one of the many Baragon suits. All, all four. <laughs> all four Baragons come out. Five, sorry, six. No, geez, how many are there? A lot. Yeah, there's quite a bit. Yeah. What? There was three alone in Ultra Q, then like another f- three more in Ultraman. So yeah, there's... there's, there's 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 an exceptional amount, yeah. but we digress. Um, you know, it is the 70th anniversary. Uh, it's I mean, this the years we're already in February, so um, I kind of hope Toho has something planned. I don't know if they do, but this you know, an Oscar win would be a nice uh, cherry on top to really get Godzilla's 70th birthday going. Uh, I do I do feel. I do believe they have a very strong chance of winning, considering the, you know, other nominees. I think their only real competition, in my opinion, is the creator. And wouldn't it be ironic if Gareth Edwards won an Oscar in the very for you know because he really you know he made his career on giant monster movies and yeah. uh, going against Godzilla. There's there's just a little weird irony there. With what? Hello? I'm sorry, breaking up there a little bit. There you go. Can you see me? Yeah, I see. Him. Okay, my favorite part of cre- my favorite part of creator was uh, the monkey with a bazooka. 
scene. And that's the mo- that's the only thing I remember out of that movie. The movie was made on $80 million, and the whole thing was shot with a $4,000 camera from Best Buy. That's really? the big thing about that movie. So, I mean, it's more of a technical achievement than anything else, but... I, I I think I think uh, Godzilla minus one has a feel good story behind it. Like that's that is a celebration that you could have like this little Japanese movie that could against like the Hollywood. Like they nominated Napoleon. I have no idea why you would nominate Napoleon when there's a it's like three dozen other big effects movies that came out this year, and then you nominate Napoleon. Like. The effects, I'm pretty sure, yeah, there's some blending of, like, the time periods, but they're not they're great. That movie's not that great either. Like, I, I had my issues with Napoleon. That said, I think Guardians is probably the only other one, but I, I there are times the, the effects in that movie look, look, look a little rough, too. But I think Godzilla does stand a legitimate chance just because of the budget and kind of the feel-good nature of, like, hey, this, this little foreign movie that could... Could I think the Academy's into that now, especially after last year with um, uh, everything everywhere all at once, pretty much sweeping everything. So, um, yeah, a couple weeks we'll know. Fingers we'll find me. out. Oh, it's the first time I've I'm hoping. I'm I'm pulling for them, man. They deserve yeah. every bit of it. I think it was the team of like thirty-five people. Something crazy. And, and small there's like, like that, yeah. yeah, and it's only like hundred and six shots, which yeah, is bonkers. Like so that that if everything should tell Hollywood, hey, uh, and I, I've seen a million pub pieces about this already. Like, oh, all the wrong, you know, all the wrong ideas being, you know, taken from uh, Godzilla minus one. I'm like, no. Here's the main thing: stop relying on CG as a crutch. Use it for what it's meant for. I quote the great Roger Ebert on his commentary track of Dark City, a fantastic movie. He I love Dark City. He did. He loved Dark City so much. He's like, I want to come in and just do a critic's commentary. Roger liked a genre movie. Yeah. Oh, I remember watching that episode. He could not praise this movie enough. He could not. And not only that, that's the theatrical version. The director's cut is an even better version of the movie. Like, I, I, when was the last time you watched Dark City? It's been at least been a minute. At least yeah. 10 years. It's up. There you go. Okay. Okay. All right. But anyway. Uh, 10 years to ago. Quote, wait, yeah. To quote the great Roger Ebert, and this one will end this on. Uh, Dark City relies on its effects, but only relies on them to move the story forward and not just for spectacle. And not only that, but it's not relying on CG for everything. It is using the whole swath of effects, miniatures, force perspective, um, you know, everything in between makeup. So uh, that is how effects should be used. Drive the story forward. And Takashi Yamazaki clearly did that with, with Minus One. And that is the lesson that I think Hollywood needs to start learning from all this. Like, don't crutch. Don't crutch on the, uh, on the, uh, on the computer. Figure it out in camera, and if you can't do it in camera, then go to the CG and don't overdo it. So, but I don't think they'll learn that lesson. They never tend to. So, all right. Well, on that note, Godzilla minus one minus color. 
great. This is a fantastic way to wrap out this insane roller coaster that has been the minus one tour. I mean, look, Ariane, it was supposed to be for one week. Hell of a ride, man. Hell of a ride. One week, and now we're two months in. It felt like the Itching Scratchy movie coming to an end. After nine Academy Awards and four Tony nominations, a year in theater, it's finally going out. So, On that note, uh, you can find us on X at the Kaiju Kingdom, Instagram at the Kaiju Kingdom, Facebook.com slash the Kaiju Kingdom podcast. And Arian, we also do a show as well. What show is that? We do a show called Common Kaisers. If you haven't checked it out, check it out. I'm it's hilarious it's funny you'll cry you'll scream you'll it's a great it's a great listen on the way to and from work yep and uh, what are we doing what are we doing tomorrow tomorrow we're gonna go see guyver 2 with david Hayter in person and steve wang and steve wang sorry yes that's i'm like it's like it's like christmas tomorrow this is oh yeah oh yeah i have no idea how hyped i am i'm almost done um I think an upcoming episode, uh, I'm working on it, but there's a brand new book out called Budget Biomorphs, The Making yeah. of the Guyver Movies. Uh, I got to give it to Arian. If, I'm almost done reading it. I got to give it to Arian, but we're working on getting the author to come on. So we're going to have our first interview, Common Kaisers, in the next coming weeks. So Excited. looking forward to yeah. that. But, yeah, we got some yeah. other fun stuff we're going to be watching too. So we just watched Razorback. So yes. if you like yes, if you love giant, giant – Pigs on the Loose and with a 1980s aesthetic. Listen to that episode because, man, we love this movie. So it's called Common Kaisers. It is on the Kaiju Kingdom podcast feed. So if you subscribe to this show, you get that show as well. And uh, our YouTube is up and running in full swing. I am putting out content just about every day. Uh, I am working. I'm still working my way through. We have over 100 episodes of the show that have to go up. I think we got about... No more than like 20. So I am working my way through getting the archives up and um, getting the rest of the Common Kaiser episodes up too. For those who don't want to bother to stream or download, you can watch it right on eBay to your heart's content. So that will do it what? for. Oh, you got anything else? Watch it on eBay, would you say? Oh, watch <laughs> it on YouTube. I'm sorry. Guys, uh, if, you, if, you haven't, if you haven't been watching the coffers, man, this is. Amazing, amazing. That's a, another show that we do on the YouTube channel, specifically just for YouTube. Where you got, you're going to be, you're going to be adding to it tomorrow. Very uh, soon. Pretty soon, right? Yes. Very soon, very soon. Uh, so, yeah. Coffers is a great review uh, channel. Show, sorry, review show where Chris goes his way to sketchy neighborhoods to find uh, <laughs> new pairs, and then he finds some really cool stuff as well. And then he goes to really sketchy neighborhoods like Little Tokyo to find, just kidding. <laughs> to find stuff for Arian to uh, add Thank to you. his collection. So, no, uh, actually, um, on that note, I, um, you got something coming up. I just got a brand new box from Japan. We're going to do a quick unboxing on that one. So stay tuned. There's a lot of stuff coming on that as well. And then I'm working our way through our what I'm calling our on-location visits. So the rest of Japan, I just put uh, my trip was, to this to the sea. Yes, with uh, my good friend Kazuki. Shout out to Kazuki. I know he's listening. He's good Kazuki. people. So um, and he's the one that sent the box. So all credit to Kazuki. He's he sent me a box of goodies. So we're gonna crack that bad boy open this weekend, 
and you I'll film it so you can all see the wonderful stuff that he sent. So so that is youtube.com at the Kaiju Kingdom podcast. That is our handle on there. If you want to like and subscribe, we would welcome that. But it is a free country, so we can't make you do anything you don't want to do. But if you want to, thank you. So on that note, for myself and Adia Dinovesa. Thanks for listening, guys. Thanks for watching. If you're watching on YouTube, and we'll see you next time. Bye. Have a good night.